Welcome to Directions in Rashi, a podcast that will help you understand individual comments from Rashi throughout the Chumash, and that will also introduce you to some of the general principles which I feel uh, directed Rashi in his creation of his commentary, and that will help us to understand his commentary better all around. In this week's shir, I would like to discuss Rashi's role as a translator of the Torah. One of the most basic roles that Rashi took for himself, one of the most basic responsibilities that he took upon himself in his commentary, is to translate words in the Torah that are difficult or unusual. A piece of advice that I would like to offer is that when Rashi translates a word, check to see how the context influenced not only the cho- his choice of translation, the content of his translation, but also the placement of his translation. That is, in which appearance of the word does Rashi choose to translate it? Let's begin with a, an example of the placement. In this week's Parsha, Parsha's Bahar, the Torah begins by discussing the mitzvah of Shemitah that there is a seven-year agricultural cycle in Eretz Yisrael. Six years you may do all kinds of agricultural work, and in the seventh year it is called Shabbos Shabbosin, it is a Sabbath for the land, and most forms of agricultural work are forbidden. Now the Pasuk says in the Pasuk Gimel of this week's Parsha, Sheishonim Tizra Sadecha, six years you may plant your field, and six years your vineyard, you may be tizmor, you may be zaymer. We'll see in a minute how Rashi translate that, translate that word. And you will gather its produce. Now in this Pasuk, Pasuk Gimel, Rashi doesn't say anything about the word tizmor. Perhaps he assumes that we know what it means. Let's continue. Pasuk Dalit. And in the seventh year, Shabbas, Shabbasain, Yiyeh it will be a complete rest for the land. Shabbos, Lashem, it is a rest for the sake of Hashem. Sodcha Loisizra, your field you shall not plant. Vecharmacha Loisizmor, and your vineyard you shall not be Zaymer. Here, on Pasuk Dalit, Rashi decided to tell us what tizmor means, or loy tizmor. Says Rashi, that they cut off some of the branches. Meaning, we would call it in English pruning. You remove some of the branches so that the vine, the rest of the vine, will grow in a more healthy fashion. So the obvious question is, if this word tizmor is somewhat unusual, or if Rashi um, suspected that perhaps those who would read his commentary, his Talmidim, who would study his commentary, if he felt that perhaps they didn't all know this word, so why didn't he explain it in the first Pasuk, where it appears, which is Pasuk Gimel? Why did he wait till the second Pasuk? And I think the answer is quite simple. Simple, but enlightening. If we look at Pasuk Gimel, Pasuk Gimel is telling us that we may do, during the six years of the cycle, we essentially may do 
what we please. We may do all all kinds of normal agricultural work in order to make the help the crops to grow. Pasig Dalit is telling us that there are certain things that are forbidden. Of course, not every ev- not every possible form of agricultural work is forbidden during Shvius. There's a whole mesechta about exactly what's forbidden and what's not. There's no mesechta about what you're allowed to do during the other six years. There are certain kinds of agricultural work that are forbidden for other reasons, but that doesn't have anything to do with the Shemitah cycle. Essentially, a farmer may do whatever is necessary to make his crops grow better. So now, I think we can understand what was motivating Rashi in the placement of his translation. In Pasuk Gimel, where the Torah is telling us that essentially, you may do what you like, you may cultivate your field and care for it in the normal manner. So it wasn't so important over there to explain exactly what tizmor karmecha means. Maybe it means prune, maybe it means harvest, maybe it means uh, to take the weeds out from around it. Whatever it means, the basic point is, you may gather the produce and you may cultivate it and help it grow in the normal fashion. So it wasn't so important in Pasuk Gimel to know what Tizmor means. But in Pasuk Dalit, Pasuk Dalit is coming to tell us what is forbidden to do during Shvius. Now, again, not everything is forbidden. Not every possible, imaginable agricultural task is forbidden. Certain things are forbidden. So when the Pasuk says, Sodcha lo don't plant your field. That's one specific thing you're not allowed to do. And your vineyard you shall not, you shall not what? If we don't know what this word, tismor, means, then we don't know what's usher, and we won't know what to do. So here, where it says, Rashi felt it was necessary to say what that, exactly that word means. Let us now investigate a word that Rashi translates three different ways each time that it appears. The word is oino'o, or loisainu, you shall not do oino'o. This word appears three times between Parshas Kedoshim and two, one time in Parshas Kedoshim and another two times in this week's Parsha, Bahar. In Parshas Kedoshim, when it says loisainu, Rashi says this refers to oino'o's dvorim, it refers to a mistreating with words. You'll see in a moment why I say to mistreat. Loi toimarlo, you should not say to a ger, to a convert. Emish oyisa eveda last night, yesterday, you were serving idolatry. Va'achshav ata bolilmoitera, and now you are coming to learn Torah. Shenidna mipiagvura, which was given from Hashem's own mouth, so to speak. So this is a very insulting thing to say to the ger. You insult his background, you insult his lineage, you mistreat him with words. That's the meaning of loisainu, verbal mistreatment, verbal insulting. In Parshas Bahar, there is another Pasuk that says, loisainu ish esachiv, you shall not mistreat each other, one person to his brother. And here Rashi says, Ainoyas Mumin. It refers to a monetary mistreatment. 
don't cheat someone in business. So Oinor means don't cheat. Don't mistreat monetarily. A few psukim later, in Parshas Bahar, it again says, V'loi sainu ishes amisai, you shall not mistreat one person to his colleague, to his fellow. And here Rashi says, Kan hishir alainoyas dvorim. Here the Torah is warning us not to mistreat people with words. But he doesn't now talk about insulting a ger, but he says, One should not annoy or distress one's friend with words. And one should not give to one's friend a piece of advice which is not fitting for him. According to the way and the pleasure of the advice giver, meaning... I should not give advice to somebody that will be bad for him, but good for me. That's also included in Leisainu. Now, so Rashi has explained this word in three different ways. Don't insult, that's the first way. Don't cheat in money. And don't uh, bother, harass someone with words, which includes... Don't say something to him which will be bad for him but good for you. So what's going on here? What does this word really mean? The answer lies in what we said at the beginning, that Rashi uses the context. And so we must go back and look, the, look at the contents, context of each of these three psukim, and we'll see that in each place Rashi is explaining it according to the context. And similar to what we said about the word tismor, what I'm going to say here really is very simple, but very important. Let's go back to Parshas Kedoshim. Perek Yotes, Pasuk Lamed Gimel. V'chi yagor itecha ger ba'artzachem. When a ger, when a convert, will live with you in your land, loy sainu oisai. So what does it mean, loy sainu? Says Rashi, oinoyas dvorim. It means, do not mistreat him with words. Don't say to him, yesterday, in the recent past, you served idolatry. And now you're coming to learn Torah. Don't insult him like that. Let's just read the next Pasuk. Like a citizen, like a born citizen from amongst you, he will be to you. Hager Hagar Itachem, this Ger who is now living with you, the Ahavtalai Kamaicha, and you must love him like yourself. Ki Gerim Hayisem Be'eretz Mitzrayim, because you were Gerim, you were wander, you were sojourners in the land of Egypt, Ani Hashem Elokechem. I am Hashem your God. So here, Rashi's translation obviously fits the context perfectly. It's talking about a ger, and in what, obviously the word toinu means some sort of mistreatment. What sort of mistreatment might one be tempted to, uh, to perpetrate on a ger? One might be tempted to insult his background, to insult his family. And therefore, when the Pasuk says, loy soinu, we Rashi translated it essentially as, don't insult him. 
Now, let's go to this week's Parsha, Parshas Bahar. Now, Parshas Bahar tells us about the mitzvah of Yovel, that once every 50 years, there is a special year, in addition to the seven Shemitah years that preceded it over, the, over this period of time, the 50th year is also a kind of a Shemitah year, in, during which the crops, the, the fields are not, we may not work on the fields in the normal fashion. Most forms of agricultural work are forbidden that 50th year also. And fields go back to their original owners. And so the Pusik says, Pusik Yud Dalit, Perichofe Yud Dalit, Vichisimkru Mimkar La Amisecha. When you sell a field to, your, to, a, to another Jew, Oikanoi Miyad Amisecha, or when you purchase it from another person, Al Toinu Ish Esachiv, do not mistreat one person to the other. Now, the Pasuk continues. The Pasuk itself really explains what that means. According to the number of years after Yovel, during which the sale is taking place, you will buy it from your friend. According to the number of years of crops that you can get out of the field, he will sell it to you. In other words, if it's, let's say, year number two of the Yovel cycle, and I'm buying a field from someone, so that means I'm going to be holding on to this field for the next uh, 48 years. So obviously, understandably, he can charge much more for the field. If it's already uh, year 47, and I'm only going to be holding this field for just a few years, just three years until I have to give it back in Yovel. So... I uh, understandably, it would only be uh, fair if he would sell it to me for a much lower price. That's what the Torah is saying. Lefi roiv pasuk tezayin continues. Lefi roiv hashanim tarbe miknosai, according to the greater number of years that are left until Yovel, he will add to the purchase, meaning he will raise the price of the purchase. Well, the fima oitashanim, and according to the very small number of years that might be left until Yovel, tamit miknasai, he will lessen the sale, meaning he will sell it for less. Because what is he really selling to you? He's not selling you the field itself. The field itself always is going to go back to the original owner in Yovel. He's selling you a number of opportunities to produce crops. Well, that depends on how many years are left until Yovel. If many years are left until Yovel, so then you have many opportunities to, to produce crops. It, it's understandable that you should have to pay more for that. If only a few years are left until Yovel, then you have just a few opportunities to produce crops. So there, in that such a case, it's understandable that to charge any more than a minimal amount would be taking advantage of the purchaser. So over here, it's quite obvious that we're talking about treating each other in a fair way when it comes to buying and selling property in Eretz Yisrael. So when it says, don't be, don't do oinor. So here Rashi says, this refers to a mistreatment with money, or what we would commonly call cheating in buying and selling.
Now let's go to the third Pasuk. The third Pasuk is just after the couple of Psukim that I just read. Pasuk Yud Zion says, You shall not mistreat one person to his colleague, and you shall fear your God, because I am Hashem, your God. What does Rashi say? I quoted part of the Rashi. I'll now quote all of the Rashi. Rashi says, Kan dvorim. Here the Torah is warning us not to harass someone one with words. Shalo yaknit that one should not disturb or harass someone with his words. And he should not encourage him with a piece of advice that is really not proper for the receiver. According to the way and the pleasure of the one giving the advice. You may not give advice to your friend, which is going to be injurious to him, but beneficial to yourself. Now Rashi asks a question. If you'll ask a question, who knows if I intended what I said to be bad for the other person? How do you know? Maybe it just didn't work out uh, the way I thought it might work out. But how do you know that I intended to do it in a harmful way? The Eitzah that I gave? Therefore, the end of the Pasuk says, You should fear your God. The one who knows your thoughts, Hashem, who knows what you were thinking, who Yodea, he knows. Says Rashi, anything that is given over to the heart, meaning any kind of action, which can only be defined according to the meaning, in order to the intent that one has, that no one knows exactly what it is, except that person that has the thought in his heart, any kind of mitzvah, where the Torah pro- prohibits an act, and it is really only a reprehensible act, if a person had a certain thought in his heart when he was doing it, it will always say, you should fear your God. So here again, Rashi is clearly following the context. It can't be over here that it's telling us again not to mistreat someone in matters of money. That was said already. That was said just in the previous Pusik. That's proof number one. So Rashi says here it's talking about mistreating someone with words. And it can't eat, it certainly is not talking about a ger. There's no mention of a ger over here. In fact, we can say even more. When we talk about a field reverting to its original owner, what we really mean is to the person who has inherited it from the previous generation and the previous generation, going back to the first generation of B'nai Yisrael that entered Eretz Yisrael. And Gerim did not receive a portions in Eretz Yisrael. They weren't there at the time. So therefore, we are categorically not talking about Gerim over here. So Rashi does not repeat here his comment, his comment from Parshish Kedoshim that uh, the word Loisainu has to do with not mistreating a Ger. But rather, Rashi says, it means you should simply not annoy someone, bother someone with words. Now, that in itself 
was not sufficient, because then why would it say, Ani Hashem Elokeichem? Why does it have to mention, I, I am Hashem your God, and Yeresa Mi Elokecha? You should fear your God. So Rashi says it also includes, you should not give someone a piece of advice that is not going to be to his benefit, but rather to yours. Because that's something that only Hashem really knows what you had in mind. And that's why it says, Yeresa Mi Elokecha. Derech Agav, I find it very interesting and I think very instructional that the same words, loy sainu, that mean do not mistreat somebody in a monetary fashion, do not cheat somebody out of dollars and cents, that same expression, loy tainu, means don't make a person feel bad with your words. As Rashi says, shalo yaknish, shalo yaknit. One shouldn't bother one's friend with words. Yeah, I think it's a very interesting musar that these two acts, which to us seem very different, and perhaps to the business people amongst us, the one about cheating somebody out of dollars and cents seems much more severe, seems a much more serious uh, crime, so to speak. But the Torah considers, considers them the self. If you steal from me money, cheat me out of money, that's an Avera. If you make me feel bad, that's an Avera. That's a big musa for each one of us to learn, not about the other person who might be annoying us, but about how we speak to others. Finally, let's go to a word that is used once in Parshas Shemois, and then again here in Parshas Bahar. The word is Ferech. In Parshas Shemois, the Torah is telling us the well-known story about how the Bnei Yisrael went down to Mitzrayim and they eventually became enslaved there. The Pasuk says, Vayasimu alav misim. The Egyptians placed upon them uh, tax collectors and they, the tax that they collected was Laman anoisoi besiv sum in order to cause Bnei Yisrael to suffer under the burdens that the Egyptians placed upon them. And they built storage cities for Parai, Pisamis Ramses. But as much as they, the more they caused them to suffer, the more the Jewish nation multiplied and became stronger. And then Perak Aleph Pasik Yudgimel says, Vayavidu Mitzrayim Esbenei Yisrael Beforech. The Egyptians caused the Bnei Yisrael to work Beforech. It's really ferech, but since it's at the end of the Pasik, it becomes forech. What does that word mean? Rashi says, Ba'avayda kosha, they caused us to work, difficult work, ha-mefareches esaguf u-mishabrosoi, which breaks, mefareches, it is mefarech, the body, u-mishabrosoi, and breaks it. So mefarech means to break. It was back-breaking, bone-breaking work. That's what avaydas perech means. Very hard physical labor. That's Parshas Shemais. Now we come to this week's Parsha, Bahar, and we go to Perik Chavhei, Pasik Mem Gimel. And it is talking here about an Evid Ivri, about a Jewish person who, for one reason or another, we don't want to uh, get too involved in the, in the halachas over here, but he becomes a sort of an indentured servant to another Jew. 
And the Pasuk says, You shall not rule over him. Beforech, with perech, the eresa meyadokecho. And you will fear your God. Here Rashi says, Im Here Rashi says, It is work that is not necessary, in order simply to make him suffer. Don't say to this Evid Ivri, Warm up this cup of water for me. And the master doesn't even need it. If the master needs it, that's a legitimate task. But he should not say it to him if he doesn't need it. Ador tachas agefen adshiyavoy, dig some sort of ditch under this vineyard until I come back. And again, and the master doesn't need it. Now, shema toimar, perhaps you will say, ein makir bedover im letzorachim love. No one recognizes this thing, whether it's really necessary or not. He asked for a cup for a cup of hot water. How do we know that he needed it to be hot? How do we really know whether the the vine needed perhaps some weeding underneath, or maybe it didn't. So, who knows whether it's really necessary or not, and perhaps I'm really telling him to do these things because they are necessary. Says Rashi, This matter is given over to one's heart. In, you're right. It depends on what you were thinking in your heart. And therefore, the Pasuk concludes, You shall fear from your God. As Rashi said earlier in the Parsha that we discussed, that when the Torah concludes a mitzvah by saying, it means that the performance of this mitzvah, or the commission of this Avera, depends on what you were thinking, and Hashem, He knows what you were thinking. So in one place, Rashi says, means bone-breaking, bone-breaking, physically difficult work. And here it says, You should not make him work. And Rashi says, You should not make him work unnecessarily. Why does Rashi change his translation of the word? Rashi himself says, it's all based on context. Over here it says, you shall fear your God. So Rashi couldn't say that this Pasuk is forbidding us to make the evidently work, very difficult work. Because then it wouldn't have to say, and you shall fear your God. Anyone can see that certain types of work are more difficult than others, and certain types of work are exceedingly difficult. But since it says, it must be we're talking about a kind of work that is not obviously difficult, but it is degrading because it's really unnecessary for the employer. The Pasuk about the, the Bnei Yisrael and Mitzrayim, they, they caused us to work beforech. Yes, that's, that's, uh, that's in the context over there. It says they, they, we had to make bricks and we had to wander about in the fields looking for the straw to make the bricks and we built big cities for them. Yes, it was back-breaking, bone-breaking work. So over there, that's what beforech means. Over here, it can't mean that because of the words So Rashi says it means a sort of a psychologically difficult work, a psychologically demeaning 
form of work. So in each place, Rashi explains according to the context. Here, too, I find it very interesting and very instructional that the Torah uses the same expression, to ex- the same words to express physically difficult work and psychologically degrading work. One might think that these are two very different kinds of mistreatment of one's fellow. But the Torah is saying they are equivalent. Just like the Egyptians were wrong for subjecting us to such difficult, physically difficult, backbreaking work, in the same way, in the, uh, to the same extent, it is wrong, it is sinful to force another Jew to do work that is psychologically degrading. Thank you for listening to Directions in Rashi with Yochanan Joseph, author of the book Directions in Rashi, available from Feldheim Publications. Production aspects were carried out by Minagain Music. Visit them online by going to facebook.com slash Minagain Be More.